Uh, Joel Exley called this my look at me shirt. Uh, <laughs> it isn't spring yet, but it's supposed to be 70 today. And so I just couldn't resist. I went, yeah, got to put this thing on. And, and somebody told me in the first service, they said, this isn't St. Patrick's Day. I said, I'm a Protestant. I can celebrate St. Patrick's Day any day I want. You know, it's, it's, it's that simple. <laughs> Good morning again. Uh, it's not in the bulletin, but while I'm thinking about it, on March the 27th, four weeks from today, we're going to hold another um, uh, Springhouse orientation. So if you're, if you're new here and you'd like to uh, know some more about the church or you're interested in becoming a part of the church, um, it'll be 4 o'clock that afternoon on the 27th of March. It'll be for about an hour or so. And uh, I don't know, we may have some cookies or something there, but uh, I'll be there, talk to you about the church. A few of the elders may be there. So uh, you'd be welcome to come to that. It, it should be in the bulletin next week. Today we're going to talk about something that I don't normally talk about, and that is demons. Uh, and there's a reason why I don't normally talk about demons. Uh, when I first went to Africa, when I was first in Zimbabwe, I remember Ezekiel Goody, the man who led the church there, coming to the school and telling the students, do not preach about the devil. If you preach about the devil, he will come. And uh, he was right. Uh, and so, you know, I don't spend a lot of time talking about the devil and demons and stuff like that. However, that doesn't mean that people don't spend a lot of time and there's not a lot of misinformation out there. And so it's a pretty good idea to know a few things. Uh, and in the context of this particular series where we're talking about people that Jesus met, uh, it was just hard for me to imagine going through that entire series and not talking about this guy. Because this, this was a pretty substantial encounter that Jesus had. So would you stand with me? And we're going to read Mark chapter 5, first 20 verses together. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, where Jesus got out, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain. For he had often been chained, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons from his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. 
When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus, Jesus told not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. I thank you that your power is greater than anything that can come against us. I entreat the Holy Spirit to come and cover our head in the day of battle today, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and enlighten us. The Holy Spirit would come and bring your grace and your strength and your confidence and your certainty into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Somebody must have been reading the Bible rather than looking up at the screen. Well done, yeah, good job. <laughs> uh, normally, these are from the NIV, so if you, uh, you know, if you have trouble reading the screen or you just want to follow along in the Bible, that's, that's the translation that I'm usually using. Um, evil spirits, this is, a, this is a gargoyle, and it's a gargoyle on top of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, and and, you know, sometimes you might get the impression looking at a gargoyle that, uh, wow, why did they put a demon up on top of a church kind of thing? Well, the truth of the matter is the reason why they made gargoyles was not to represent demons. They're there to scare demons away. Well, let me tell you something. Let me, let me give you an important safety tip here. Demons are not afraid of statues. Statues don't scare demons at all. So, you know, you got something up there, but that's, that's it. When it comes to, to demons, people tend to, to be of one of two extremes regarding it. And one extreme is they just don't believe in them. They don't, they don't believe that they exist at all. But one of the things that you need to know is evil spirits are very real. Uh, but people who don't believe him will say, well, you know, Jesus, it was either a misdiagnosis or, or Jesus really knew what was going on, but he, uh, um, in, in, in consideration of the fact that the people were ignorant that day and they didn't know about epilepsy and they didn't know about brain damage and, and stuff like that, uh, Jesus just called it casting out demons. Right. You know, it, it's true that uh, seizures are symptomatic of epilepsy or epilepsy, whatever that's called. <laughs> and uh, uh, dumbness, not being able to hear and speak, you know, that, that could have some brain damage or something. That could be, there could be organic things there. However, I, I'm not aware of any uh, medical diagnosis that claims that uh, superhuman strength is one of the symptoms of epilepsy or brain damage. This guy broke chains. This guy, nobody could, nobody could, everybody was scared of him. 
They put irons on his legs. He'd break them. And off he'd go. I'm also not aware that if someone is cured of epilepsy or brain damage or some sort of organic disease, that it causes 2,000 pigs to die. (laughs) That just doesn't seem to be part of the deal. Truth of the matter is, demons are mentioned fairly often in Scripture and by a a wide range of of Scripture writers. Moses is the first one who mentions them over in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, and he talks about them being... Um, uh, worshipped by the, the nations that Israel were, was going in to, to dispossess. The psalmist in Psalm 106, 37 talks about them as well. And once again, in the, con- in the context of them uh, posing as gods and, and uh, the pagans offering sacrifices to, to demons. Uh, Paul mentions them a, a bunch of times, and so I didn't put any references down here, but this is, this is an opportunity to do this. How many of you know how to find a particular word in Scripture? I imagine many of you do, but how, how many of you know how to do that? A c- concordance, or that's the old-fashioned way. Uh, you know, today, really, uh, well, for those of you who don't know, uh, let me just tell you, there's two ways to do it. One, well, actually, there's three. One is to read every word and <laughs> And look for the words you're looking for. But uh, another way is to get a concordance. It's a, it's, it's a big book. And it has the words listed alphabetically. And then it has the re- different verses that they appear in. Another way, the easiest way nowadays is to go online. Uh, Bible.com. Um, uh, Bible Gateway. That, yeah. Um, I think Crosswalk is, is another. There's several different websites you can go on to and you just put in the word and hit search and boom all of the all of the verses come up there so if you want to know what paul has to say about demons go find out he's not the only one though james also in the new testament over in james two nineteen, he mentions them has something else to say about them uh john in the book of revelation mentions them mentions them three times so you've got moses you got the psalmist you got matthew you got mark you got Luke, you got Paul, you got James, you got John. You got a, a wide spectrum of biblical writers talking about demons over a period of about 1,500 years. I think the Bible considers them to be real. Think, thinks that they actually do exist. And if the Bible thinks so, that's, that's good enough for me. What do they do? We tend, when we think about uh, demonic activity, we tend to think of Hollywood. We, we tend to think of... Um, um, exorcism movies and, and things of that nature and you know little girls speaking with deep ba- bass voices and 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 having weird eyes and things like that uh but the bible has uh, says doesn't mention that a whole lot one of the things that they do is they imitate gods and they desire to be worshiped and you may think well that was a big problem back in the day when people worshiped gods yeah and it still is. You know, whether it's a guitar god or a car god or a, um, a movie god or, or whatever it may happen to be. This is, this is one of the things that, this is one of, one of the places where demons hide out. One of the, kind of, one of their activities. Another of their activities is they can perform miracles. Well, of course they can. They're spirits. And, and spirits can do amazing things to us. I remember when I was a little kid. The first time that 
Brother Jones. I was riding in the car with my dad. And, you know, in those days, you didn't have bucket seats. You just had a bench seat across the front. And I remember I was, my dad was sitting there. I was sitting in the middle. And Brother Jones was sitting over here. And I don't know how old I was. Uh, but, you know, I remember him turning to me and going, hey, let me show you something. I can take my finger off, you know. Like I said, I don't know how old I was. I was was under 15. I do know that. (laughs) Yeah, I was probably five or six or something like that. But I was amazed because he was that much advanced beyond me that he could take his finger off. And I couldn't. He he could amaze me. Same thing with spirits. I mean, we're, we're, in the, we're stuck here in the physical world. Spirits can do stuff that will amaze you. Absolutely will. Another thing that they do is that they teach false doctrines. Demons teach. I had a couple of those teachers when I went to school. <laughs> yeah, Algebra 1. Uh And then another thing that we find out about demons is they believe that there's only one God and they shudder, they tremble at it. So, so really the things that the Bible has to tell us about demons, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that they do that isn't necessarily related to the, you know, Hollywood horror genre or anything like that. So anyway, they exist. For those who don't believe they exist, they exist. These are the kinds of things that they do. And then there are people, there's another camp that believes that they are everywhere. And they do everything. And anytime somebody, you know, does something that's a little off, it's kind of, okay. I mean, there are books out there that'll tell you how to, how, to cast, how to cast demons out of people. But the truth of the matter is, everything truly bad that happens in this world happens because of, does anybody remember last week? Sin. Yeah. Now, demons can influence it, but sin is really what brings all the bad stuff into the world. And here's the thing. You can cast, if your problem, if what's going on in your life has to do with your sinful desires, has to do with your unwillingness to be obedient to Christ, has to do with the lust of the flesh leading you astray, you can have every demon anybody has ever thought of cast out of you, and you're still going to have those problems. Because that wasn't what the problem was. The problem was sin. Now, you know, sometimes demon possession is a problem because Scripture talks about that. But it's not that common. Most of the time it's us. Most of the time it's, it's stuff, it's the stuff that, that we have to, to deal with. Uh, the question used to come up quite frequently, can a believer be demon possessed? All I can say is this. There's no biblical record of this. You know, and those who who think, oh yeah, a believer can be demon-possessed, they don't have any scripture to back that up. You know, there's there's a fair amount of scripture that you can draw inference from and go, no, that can't can't happen. There's not really any scripture to draw inference from and say, oh yeah, yeah, it can happen. Uh, Here's the thing. It says over in Romans chapter 8 that if anyone does not, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Which is to say, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit, in some measure, is in there. He absolutely is. 
may not be there in fullness because you may not be open for that at this point in time. Uh, but he's there. And they don't cohabitate, guys. And, 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 and you know, to some degree, it's, it's, it's a little bit about... Uh, and there's two reasons why they don't cohabitate. One of the reasons why they don't cohabitate is because the Holy Spirit doesn't want to hang out with that kind of company. But another reason why they don't cohabitate is demons can't hang out with that kind of company because they can't stand to be in the presence of something that powerful and that pure and that holy. They really can't. So, you know, I, I personally do not believe that a person who belongs to Christ can be demon-possessed. Demon possession is quite rare. Demon influence is another issue entirely. Kind of go, well, you know, demon influence. I, we, don't, we, we quit celebrating Halloween. We don't have any demon influence anymore. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. It's everywhere. Go home and turn on your television. So in fact, for most people, if you turn on the radio on the way home, you'll catch some of it. And if I won't do it for you, just read some billboards. Yeah. Read your junk mail. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. It really is. Now, we don't have to be necessarily afraid of it, and we're not afraid of it. We're, 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 we're numbed to it. It, is, it. But we need to be aware of it. Yeah. Aware of, of what... Of where this is coming from and, and, and what this is all about. You see, uh, clearly demons are subject to the authority and the power of Christ. And they can't be in his presence. But boy, they're going to try and influence his kids. And let me, uh, let me take this one step further before we, before we go somewhere else. And, uh, you know, don't, don't freak out about this initially. But demons can imitate the Holy Spirit. And Satan's greatest weapon is to get people to believe that he doesn't exist. Because if he doesn't exist, he's not responsible for anything. If he doesn't exist, you don't have to be on your guard against him. If he doesn't exist, then he can't mess with your family and you don't have to, you don't have to cover your family with prayer or anything. Same thing with demons. If they don't exist, you don't, you don't have to be worried about demonic influence. Uh, Satan himself can appear as an angel of light and does appear as an angel of light. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, but sometimes what appears to be the Holy Spirit may not be. May not be. The Holy Spirit in Scripture is symbolized by a dove. Uh, there are other symbols, but that's the primary one, right? It's the dove of the Holy Spirit. Demons, on the other hand, are not really symbolized in Scripture. But they're like a pigeon compared to a dove. Now, here's the thing. Pigeons and doves are very closely related. They really are. Well, demons are spirits, and the Holy Spirit's spirit. So they're they're. You know, to, to, to the naked eye, they look like spirits, what they look like. Uh, so how can you tell when you're dealing with one or when you're dealing with another? Well, here's what I think. <laughs> anyway, 
doves, uh, we've got some doves in our backyard because we have a little bird feeder thing out there and there are doves that come. And as soon as you open the door, or really oftentimes as soon as you step up to the window, you know what that dove will do? It's gone. Doves have to be wooed. Doves are something you create the right atmosphere for and to be able to draw near. Pigeons, on the other hand, <laughs> you put some food out, and buddy, they, they're coming. They're aggressive. They're aggressive. They'll, they'll, they will, they'll get after you. They want more food. They'll, come, they'll follow you around. If a spirit manipulates, if it's aggressive, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a, uh, in a church environment, <laughs> and Alan did too, so he's already three steps ahead of me. I grew up in a church environment where it wasn't a good service. If, you know, if somebody didn't at some point in time do something crazy, I mean, it was either, you know, somebody either had, and, and when I say crazy, please understand here, out of the ordinary. You know, sometimes it was out of the ordinary. That was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it was crazy. And that was a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if there wasn't a message in tongues, if there wasn't a prophecy, if somebody didn't get up and, and, and do something bizarre, you know, it was just like, well... Wonder when the Lord's going to come back and visit us again, and, and you know, and and you know what? I praise God for for my background. I I love it. It was great. As I was growing up, I was kind of thinking, man, this is uh, I, I, the only reason. I mean, I'm glad I'm doing this because if I were something else, I'd probably, you know, if I were like a, a Baptist or God help us a Catholic, I'd be going to hell. And and you you know, but but uh, and that was kind of how I felt. I mean, you know, I, I really felt that way because that was all I knew. In fact, the first time I went to a Baptist church and, and heard about um, um, uh, eternal salvation, I thought, no wonder their churches are so big. They just, they just say, all you got to do is be saved. Good grief. And their services are short. Yeah. But uh, truth of the matter is, even as a child, I knew some of this is real. Some of this ain't real. And here's how you can oftentimes know. The scripture says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the control of the prophet. That's what the scripture says. And what that means is the Holy Spirit may come to you. It may give you a word. It's your choice. Not only whether to bring it, but how to bring it. He may come to you and tell you to do something. It's your choice. He, he won't manipulate you because God does not work that way. That's why we fell in Eden. Because God was not going to manipulate us. Manipulation is removing all the choices that a person has and they can only do this. And so if you've got this sense that I have to do this, I, ha I have no choice, I must do it. That ain't God. You can feel passionate about something, that's fine. But if you have no choice, then it's not God. Very simple. Uh, it's important to know God's calling in your life. 
It's important to know what God has told you to do. In fact, if somebody comes to me and they go, well, I'm interested in going into the ministry, one of the, fir- one of the first things I always tell them is, it, it's all about the call. you got to be sure about the call. Because once you go into the ministry, I don't care if you're preaching to, to, to 60 or, or 6,000. I don't care if you're, you know, if you're making $150 a month or if you're making a million and a half a month. You know, you're going to reach a place you're going to reach a, a point in time, if you're a, a genuine minister of the gospel, where you're going to go, I don't want to do this anymore. In fact, you're going to reach it a bunch of times. And when, you know, I, I don't want to deal with volunteers. I don't want to deal with, with people. I don't want to do this. I want to go be a regular person. Yeah. And when, when you get to that point, the only thing that holds you is the call. Because then you go, well, and, and he doesn't make you stay. But, you know, once you know what he wants you to do, what are you going to say? No. Give me something else. No, usually by the time you've gotten there, you understand how that works out, how that plays out when you, when you, when you go your own way. So if the Spirit manipulates, it's not the Holy Spirit. Very quickly, a couple things we can learn from this story. Luke adds... Uh, Luke's version adds that, that they drove the man into isolation. Many times they had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Uh, demon possession or not, one of the strongest weapons against the kingdom and our soul is isolation. Is being pulled out of fellowship. Over in 2 Corinthians 2.11, there's a verse that a lot of people know. It's, it's fairly popular. I say it's fairly popular. I, you know, it, it's, it's fairly well known. It speaks of not allowing Satan to outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes, Paul says. The context in which he's talking about that is he's talking about over in, in 1 Corinthians, there had been this guy who had committed this gross immorality in the church. And the church was kind of going, oh, that's all right. You know, and Paul was going, no, no, that's not all right. You know, if there's no repentance, then you need to put, you need to sit this guy out of the fellowship and not have anything to do with him anymore. And so they apparently did. <laughs> Christians, they, they put him out of the fellowship. And now he had come to a place of repentance where he truly was repented and he wanted back into the fellowship. And they were going, no. You know, Paul's going, guys, the reason you put him out was so he would come to a place of repentance and walk back in. We're not unaware of Satan's schemes. He needs to be connected. He needs to be in fellowship. Bring him back into fellowship. (laughs) Over in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 is a verse I used to hate as a kid. Let us not give up the meeting, meeting, our, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the reason I used to hate this is because we went to church all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean all the time. And brother, they didn't have TiVo in those days. They didn't even have VHS even. You know, you're looking at an old guy who did not see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan.
It's on Sunday. That's right. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I do have the DVD, so I mean I have seen it, but I didn't see it as it happened. I mean, you know, yeah, you can see the wonderful world of Disney, and, and, and you know, they they. Uh, but we went Sunday morning, we went Sunday night, we went Wednesday night, and as many revivals as they could have, we went every night. And occasionally, when they would have a revival. Uh, the, the, the preacher would kind of get to the end of the week and go, well, we're going to take a break and, and on this, and we won't have service Saturday. Here it oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Yes. And I would say to my dad, why do we have to go to church all the time? And he would say, the word says, let forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, which is King James for what this says. And I was going, Well, here's the deal. You don't have to go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you don't have to go, you know, to every re- revival thing. But you gotta be connected. You gotta, you gotta have a grip. The body of Christ has to have a grip on you. You gotta have connection. That's, that's what keeps you from slipping away. It's what keeps you from falling away. And it says, all the more as you see the day approaching. Does anybody see the day approaching? Is there, is there anything going on in the world that causes anyone disturbance? Has anybody been angry either at unions or at legislatures this week? Has anybody been concerned about, you know, Libya becoming a Muslim state or Egypt becoming, all the stuff that's going on in the world? You might even been, who's even, who's even paying attention to earthquakes in, in New Zealand anymore? I mean, there's too much else to be worried about. Uh, guys, the day's approaching. We need that. Inc- Otherwise, this other stuff will eat us up. Just eat you up. Unless you got somebody, and hopefully several somebodies, regularly encouraging, pumping in the Word of God, leading in worship. Mm. Okay, I only got a, a couple of minutes here to, to cover these last ones. Why do they want to go into pigs? You know, a couple thousand pigs, 12,000 demons. That's six demons a pig. And are we feeling sorry for the pigs? Or are we, do we just think they're cute or what? You know, I've heard a bunch of different uh, theories about this, and I'm going to take this someplace you probably don't think I'm going to take it, because I don't know why they wanted to go into the pigs. But here's the, here's the point. Unless it's something that is really going to hurt somebody else or stumble somebody else or really do damage to somebody else, God almost always gives you what you want, ultimately. Even demons. And so therefore, you need to be careful what you want. Because you're probably going to get it. That's why it's important to allow Him to give us the desires of our heart. 
says over in, in, in Psalm 37.4, Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Of course, there are a lot of ramifications to that. I remember when, when I was a little kid and first heard that verse. You know, I thought, yeah. If there's, a, if there's a good service and I'm real good, I get ice cream after it's over. Now that I've gotten older, I understand that it not only means that, but that it also means that as I delight myself in Him, as I come into His presence, as I make Him the center of my life, my desires change. The stuff that I used to want, that, that, that stuff that was empty, the, the sawdust that I used to think was a T-bone. Yeah. I don't want it anymore. That's, that doesn't appeal to me anymore. When, when you begin to get in touch with heaven, you begin to get a different set of taste buds. You begin to get a, a different set of desires. And to the degree that you stay delighted in him, the... It's inversely proportional to the power that the world has to draw on you. It really is. Because when you're delighting yourself in Him, the world just doesn't have that much of a grip. And the more you back off from being delighting yourself in Him, the more powerful the grip of the world becomes. And we tend to get what we really desire. We tend to get what we really want. Four times the Bible tells us that those who seek Him will find Him. They say, well, who would willingly want to go to hell? Revelation 6.16 says that when Christ returns, that there would be people from the least to the greatest who would cry out to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne. From the wrath of the Lamb. See, this is what sin does to us. It puts us in a place. When I was saying earlier that, that, that demons, I think I said it in this service, couldn't abide being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. To face a holy God. It's not, oh, he's, he's big, he's powerful, he's scary. It's stronger than that. He's pure. He's holy. And, and you, can, you can see it in your life in a little way. If you wrong someone and you know you have wronged them, you got two choices. One, you can repent and hopefully things will get made right. Or you can spend the rest of your life avoiding them everywhere you see them. Because you don't feel comfortable around them. You don't feel good around them. It's just that simple. They walk down that aisle at Kroger, you're going to go over to this aisle. And that's just an infinitesimally small thing compared to the God that we have sinned every sin we've ever committed against. And the level of His holiness. And the level of His purity. When He appears, if we're not ready, if, we're not, if we don't have that, that covering in the blood of Jesus Christ, believe me, you're going to want to be 
anywhere he isn't. And there's only one place, and that's hell. Even though, yeah, and you may go, well, was, was, I thought it was a lake of fire. Well, a lake of fire? I, I know this. There's no warmth even in that fire. There's no love in that fire. There's no light put out by that fire. It's a place of total darkness, a place of total isolation, a place of total regret. No righteousness, no peace, no joy, no creativity. Who want to go there? If that's the only option to being in the presence of God, there'll be those who'll get what they want. Uh, I mean, when Jesus did this, and I'm out of time here, but I, let me just very quickly. When Jesus did this, he went over to this. You know, everybody knew this man. Obviously, he, he's the guy who doesn't wear clothes and can break chains. Everybody knew him. And Jesus comes in and heals him, casts that demon out of him. He's sitting there clothed in his right mind. The people come and see it. And they ask Jesus to leave. Yeah. And Jesus gave them what they wanted. He left. When, when he comes in his power and his glory, it, believe me. Yeah. Finally, and let me, let me just say this. I'm going to close quickly with this. Uh, not only are demons subject to Christ and his power, they also... According to Romans 8.38, cannot separate us from His love. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor any other thing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. When He went across this lake, it wasn't a little bitty lake. It wasn't like, you know, Percy Priest or something. Oh, Percy Priest is a big lake. Oh yeah, look at a map of the globe and, and see if it's on there. I mean, the lake that he went across is one you could look at a map of the globe and you'd find it. And he went across it ultimately for one guy. One demon possessed by 12,000 filthy demon guy. That was the only one Jesus was able to help. I don't know how long he spent there. Maybe might not have spent an hour or two. But that was, the, that was the one lost sheep. And all 12,000 of those demons could not keep that man from Jesus' love. And, when, and, and another thing that is so cool about this passage is I, I know a couple of weeks ago that I, I was talking about the, the first evangelist being the, the woman of Samaria, uh, the gal who had been divorced five times and was living with a, living with a guy when Jesus came. Yeah. She may have been the first evangelist, but the first one Jesus ever commissioned was this guy. The guy comes to Jesus and goes, please, let me, let me go with you. And Jesus goes, no, you know, I came here for you, but I really came here for all of them. And then I'm going to let me stay. You're my guy. You're my guy. Go and tell everyone the wonderful things that God has done for you. And he did. He did. 
If you go into the book of Acts, you'll discover that once the gospel spread outside of Jerusalem, this was, this was one of the most receptive places that it found immediately because for two years there had been a, an evangelist going around who had been commissioned by Jesus Christ, a guy who had been possessed by 12,000 demons and lived in the tombs for crying out loud, but had been made sane and whole and, and complete in Jesus Christ and just went around telling people what Jesus had done for him. Mm-mm. Tell me, God can use anybody. He really can. And in fact, those are the wonderful stories. I mean, for crying out loud, I was brought up in the church. I, my daddy was a preacher and everything. Uh, you know, where's the glory in that? We got, I, I want, let's get us some, let's get us some drug addicts off the street and get them brought in here and, and, and have them change the world or something. Then I'll have something to preach about. I got something to preach about now because I'm just big a sinner as they were, as they are. Needed a savior just as much as they do absolutely just as powerless to do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in my life. Yeah. It's a good way to live when it doesn't depend on you. Would you stand with me? Those who are going to minister come forward at this time and would those who need ministry come after them? I'm not going to ask would those who are demon-possessed come because <laughs> none of you would, and you probably would have already interrupted the service if you had been. Oh and I'm not going to ask those who are demon-influenced if they had come because you, either all of you had come, everybody had come but the liars. Because <laughs> I, I know where you live. You live here. But if you need something, if you need something, if, if life's gotten dry, if it's kind of gotten tasteless, if challenges are coming your way that you'd really like somebody a little bigger than you to handle, you come. You come. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll wait on you. The same God who could, with a word, drive 12,000 demons out of out of this man can do anything's going on can, can handle anything's going on in your life same God who give the money to Seth to go to Australia same God who can put Chris on a bus to go and babysit Wayne <laughs> let's worship if you need prayer you come just to be close to you Just to be close to you Just to be close to you That's my desire Just to be close to you Just to be
take that opportunity to lead them to the knowledge of the grace that is in our God through Jesus Christ our Lord.